If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode of the Golf Unfiltered podcast is brought to you by WorldwideGolfShops.com. Be sure to visit WorldwideGolfShops.com today to get some of the best deals on all the major brands in golf equipment and apparel. In fact, you'll probably find a lot of stuff that you'll hear from the brands that we have every week on our show. Once again, that's WorldwideGolfShops.com. You're listening to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, your source for in-depth interviews with the biggest names, brands, and personalities in golf. Our mission, to keep you informed and help you enjoy the game even more. And now, the owner and host of the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, Adam Fonseca. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast. I am your host, as always, Adam from GolfUnfiltered.com. You can follow us all over social media at Golf Unfiltered. And you can send us an email, golfunfiltered at gmail.com. Hello to our friends over at thehackersparadise.com and to those of you listening to this on the THP mobile app. Hello to our friends over at Cleveland and Srixon Golf as well. I had the chance to go out recently, uh, played a little bit with the new CBX2 wedges and went and played a, a round over at, uh, at Cog Hill. And i uh, got to tell you, these are, these are really solid wedges. Uh, we're going to talk more about that here in a little bit, but i got to say, you know, Cleveland just continues to surprise me with just the, the quality of the build, and I guess it shouldn't be a surprise at this point, right? I mean, every single release that they come out with in the wedge game has just been absolutely phenomenal. And as somebody who thinks that they're a little bit better than they probably are, and what golfer doesn't think that, by the way, a uh, little more forgiveness was needed, and the CBX2 wedges definitely provide that for my game. And I just absolutely love them. I'm looking forward to playing more with them. In the time that I have left this golf season, and as we all know, I mean, it only goes so far here in the Midwest, so uh, looking forward to those uh, playing those clubs a little bit more, and we hope to have a full review on those clubs on the site in just a little while. So folks, it's just you and me again today. We've got a couple topics that I want to get to uh, that have been hot topics in the world of golf, one of which, of course, being slow play, and then you know that a few episodes ago, I went on this, this mini rant about slow play. Uh, I had gone out to a, a Chicago Forest Preserve golf course on a uh, Sunday morning, just me and another buddy, and it was very, very slow. And of course, that is one element of the entire slow play uh, issue, and that is the amateur side of the game, the, the side that you and I all experience every single time that we go out and play. Um, and unfortunately, it, it's, it's a pretty accurate thing to say these days, is that there is slow play every single time that you go out and do a golf course unless you're going at one of those odd hours where there's nobody in front of you really early on or if you're playing a twilight round or or what have you chances are you're going to be impacted by slow play to some degree now that has filtered over onto the other side of the game of course and this is not new i shouldn't say that it's filtered over to it but now it's it's got a big ugly spotlight on slow play on the pro game and so, uh, most recently, of course, the, it seems to be the, the poster child, unfortunately, of slow play, at least the one of the bigger offenders, at least right now, at the time of this recording, is Bryson DeChambeau. 
Uh, I am recording this the on the eve of the BMW Championship, and not too long ago, um, uh, actually the previous tournament over at the Northern Trust, there was a situation where Bryson, and I'm going to get all the numbers and the and the timing wrong in this, so I apologize, but Bryson was uh, a couple instances trying to line up a shot, trying to take a shot, trying to get all the information that he needed in order to execute a shot, and it took an abhorrently long time to do. The worst part about it, at least one of the shots that I know we all saw on social media, was the fact that it was a 70-yard shot. Now, to Bryson's defense, not that I'm here to defend any player that takes that long, and I believe it was over, I don't know, was it three minutes or so, maybe even longer? I, I don't remember, again, the exact timing. But he didn't have exact yardage at the moment. He was a little bit wayward. He was in a position on the whole that was absolutely not where you need to be, and so he didn't have a yardage right away. And so what did he do? Well, he had to walk it off all 70 yards up to the green, uh, apparently get a read of the contours, something that he hadn't seen at that point. I have no idea. Walk all the way back, talk to his caddy a few times about what club to play, and then finally execute the shot. Now, there were other instances throughout the week where Bryson took a lot of time on the putting green. And as we all know, we see these uh, these videos, of course, when we watch TV and we see pictures and we hear a lot of chatter about the yardage books. And now we even have the putting green books where pros uh, to which pros refer in order to even stroke a putt these days. Now, if you've never seen one of these these books, and I'm sure that caddies do it differently and players record uh, differently, but mainly it's just the contours of the green, as I understand it. I've seen a couple. That's basically what it is. You know where the breaks are, and of course the caddies go out prior to the tournament, and they go and they try to map all this stuff out. That's you doing your job as a caddy. What we are seeing, and what we certainly saw in the case of Bryson, was that players are relying on these books very much so like a crutch. To the point, at least in this instance with Bryson, where it took him just an extremely long time. He was playing with Justin Thomas and I believe Tommy Fleetwood, who were visibly irritated by this. It took Bryson an extremely long time to just read this putt that he ultimately missed. And it wasn't some extremely long putt either. It was, uh, if I remember right, it was about a 10-footer. So the issue here, of course, as this whole story played out and is continued on at least to the time of this recording, is that social media picks this up and videos are being shown. And, you know, there are, of course, as golf Twitter likes to do, people talking about how long this is taking. Bryson has to defend himself. There was a little bit of a quote-unquote run-in with Brooks Kapka, the number one player in the world. And, of course, if the number one ranked player in the world is involved, you're going to make headlines. As another story unfolded, Eamon Lynch, a uh, well-known writer in the golf world, uh, shared a little anecdote on Twitter regarding this exchange between Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kapka, and most Specifically, or more specifically, it was between Bryson and Brooks's uh, caddy. I'm paraphrasing here, of course, but basically Brooks said a few things at a pre- press conference the, the day prior, 
saying that slow play was an issue, called a few people out, including Bryson. And Bryson went ahead the following day, went up to Brooks's caddy and said, you know what, if your man has anything to say to me, again, paraphrasing, make sure that he says it to my face. Now, let's just all sit back and think about how that conversation might transpire between Bryson and Brooks. Now, of course, they had that opportunity to do so, because as the, the story continues, the caddy, of course, as all good caddies would do, went up to their man, in this case Brooks, and said, hey, this is what Bryson had to say. And Brooks doesn't seem like the type of guy that's going to shy away from a confrontation. I don't know about you. He doesn't seem like he's uh, too scared, especially not scared of, uh, of Bryson. Goes and talks to him. And, of course, as we all know, cooler heads prevailed in this case. And Bryson, uh, actually a few days later, uh, this week, made a joke about it and said, you know what, let's just be honest, Brooks would kick my ass. Well, yeah, that's true. I'd imagine that Brooks would kick many people's asses. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to start a fight with Brooks Kapka, especially over something like slow play. But what this does, of course, the whole big point of even bringing this up is it paints the PGA Tour in this case, and professional golf, because this is not just reserved to the PGA Tour in a very negative light. We all knew this, though. We all know who the slow players are on in professional golf, especially on the men's side. There are names that we could certainly throw out here, and I'm not going to do so now because we all know the names. But is it right, quote-unquote, to call out one player when it's happening in the moment? Another player, just for the sake of being a little bit transparent here and to keep the conversation going, is J.B. Holmes. This is a man that has had success on tour, of course. Recent success. Has been playing well. Up and down every so often, but also takes a long time on the golf course. When we think of slow play, especially in the pro game, the only thing we can do is picture players who are playing slowly. I mean, that's the most obvious thing in the world to say. The problem here, though, is that nothing is being enforced with slow play. There are rules that dictate how long it should take from one shot to the next. Everybody knows this. People who listen to this podcast, you guys are in the know enough to understand that there is a rule in place. You also know that it's not, there's nothing being done about it. Now, I'm going to go back and forth between the two topics that I want to talk about on this episode because the other side of this whole coin is the the brand sponsorship element where, to be honest, when Bryson started getting a little heat for this, one of his brands, Bridgestone, stuck up for him, as any brand would do. That's not a criticism. You guys at Bridgestone, if you're listening to this, you know I love you guys. It doesn't have to get to that level, though. A brand should not feel like they have to defend their player because the player isn't adhering to the rules. Now, this is where we can kind of get into a little bit of a rabbit hole because who's at fault here? Is it the player's fault that they're playing slowly, which everyone agrees is happening? That's not even a question. Or is it the PGA Tour's fault, or the rules official's fault, for not enforcing the rule. It feels like some 
first of all, it's ridiculous that we even have to have this conversation, but it also feels like some just old-time philosophical question of what comes first. You know, it's not a chicken or the egg argument. But if you're going to have a rule, why don't you enforce the damn thing? That is something that I've not heard a good answer for. What's really interesting about this whole conversation, though, is that there has there have been attempts to offer some explanation as to why the rule hasn't been enforced. And, of course, they're not going to word it that way. And when I say they, of course, I mean the PGA Tour. And in this case, the PGA Tour is basically the main rules guru, the man who's in charge or at least responsible for um, uh, enforcing the rules, Slugger White. He's the guy on the golf cart, of course, with the, uh, the the bucket hat or whatever it is. Not quite a cowboy hat. What is that thing? I don't know. Somebody tell me. Golfunfiltered at gmail.com. What kind of hat is that? Basically, and I'm going to read you a quote on his on Slugger's opinion about slow play in general. Now, uh, bear with me. It's a little bit of a longer quote. Again, Slugger White in a uh, uh, recent Golf Digest interview. I hate slow play as much as the next guy, but I can't agree with the idea of hitting players with penalty strokes. Why can't you agree to that? It's the rule. You have a rule to dictate how long it takes to hit a a shot, any shot. But I digress. He goes on. Maybe it's because I was a player once, but I envision these horrible trickle-down effects. Here we go. Say there's a player who barely squeezes into the top 125 of the final FedEx Cup point standings because he made a couple of thousand dollars more at a tournament than a player right behind him on the list. We already know where this is going, folks. We already know that, you know what, God, we want to feel sorry for the guy that, you know, just needs to get into the what? We're going to be life-changing things here. Just right from the start, you can kind of tell by the tone that I'm taking. Like, let's, if you're going to have a rule, you can't worry about that stuff. Does accountability not exist in pro golf? I mean, seriously. It's such a it's such a bad argument to say, well, you know, it could ruin someone's life if we actually enforce the thing. Then why write the damn rule? That I don't understand. Anyway, he continues on with the analogy. Imagine if he'd been hit with a one-stroke penalty at a key moment because he was two seconds over his time. Say the penalty cost him $5,000. Suddenly, he's so far down the FedEx Cup point list... He doesn't have a place to play the following year, which in turn might mean his kid can't go to college. Okay. Okay. Do we really need to throw in the fact that people, we know people are playing for their livelihood. We know this is their career. We know that they have families that are affected by this. There are rules in place at every profession anywhere in the world in any industry. Does that mean that we we just throw them out the window because we all of a sudden have to think, oh, well, what about the humanity of it? Anyway, you can tell I'm getting fed, uh, fired up about this. <laughs> and this kind of goes along the same thing that I talked about in the One Slow Play episode that I referenced earlier. All right, so anyway, which in turn means that this kid can't go to college or he can't put down a payment on that decent house. Oh, boy. Or worse. Or worse is what he follows up with. Basically, it means you've drastically affected the guy's life with the click of a stopwatch. I'm all for looking at fine structures, maybe increasing them, but but determining his fate with a stopwatch, to me, is a little harsh. Again, the chief rules official of the PGA Tour, whose job it is to enforce the rules, 
has this opinion about actually enforcing the rules. Does that seem weird to anybody else? I mean, you, uh, <laughs> I, really, I really don't understand where this, this uh, uh, dynamic comes into play here. I mean, everybody is calling this out. And I understand that we live at a time where everything is just under a microscope. And with social media and, and whatever else, anything you do in the public eye can be out there for everyone to see. And everyone's going to have an opinion on it, and everyone's probably going to take a negative opinion on it. But where this becomes an even bigger issue is how this whole mentality and the concept of not enforcing accountability, which is really what we're talking about here, by the way, where this all becomes a bigger issue is when it filters into the amateur game. Now, I shared a couple examples early on. I shared a couple examples in the previous episode where people were taking just so much time to play the game uh, you can't help but e- your game can't help but be impacted your experience of playing this game that we all love can't help but be impacted and it just becomes to use the words of slugger white a trickle down effect i caddied for two buddies of mine uh, at a recent tournament two of the guys that help out with the site adam and matt you guys know them and they're two very strong players. I mean, this is a tournament that I have no business playing, and that's why I was caddying in it. And, uh, you know, they're, we're all in our upper 30s, and the other people, the other competitors in this tournament, they were all very young compared to us. Uh, they were, you know, certainly college-aged or whatever. And there were a few that were actually even younger. There were a few high schoolers in there. Good for them. Strong players, taking nothing away from them. But the pace of play that these younger players, and I'm talking younger than 20 years old, the pace of play that they were showcasing was embarrassing. I mean, not to call anybody out, because that's not what I want to do, especially not in this instance, but I, I mean, there was one playing competitor that was paired with our group who was a quote-unquote, I guess you would consider them a junior golfer. I don't know. I mean, is high school still considered that? Who knows? But a high schooler walking had a caddy pushing a push cart. No big deal. But you would think this guy was playing at a pro-am. Holy cow, just the pace of walking and, and then all of the the checking and the uh, you could just tell all the things that were going through this, this, this uh, kid's pre-shot routine it was it was it was nauseating i'll have to say it was it was absolutely nauseating to deal with now i know how that sounds i know i know how i'm coming across and sounding but i guarantee you that people listening to this uh, episode and what i'm saying right now have experienced this before where do we think that comes from what what accountability is there now, I am not, believe me, I am not a believer that what we see the pros do in any sport is 100% what we are going to do as amateurs. Yes, I, I'm not naive enough to think that there's not some influence there. But if nothing's being done to the players at the highest level of the game who take advantage of this non-enforcement of the rule, how do we expect that to happen at the lower levels? I, don't, I think we can all agree it doesn't make any sense. I mean, that's putting it lightly. Now, 
I've done a lot of complaining. I've done a lot of just shining another bigger spotlight on things that we all know is an issue. Do I think Bryson DeChambeau's the poster child of slow play? Absolutely not. I mean, it, 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 he just isn't. There are others that are worse. There are others that are better. But he's not... Uh, this is not a Bryson DeChambeau problem. This is not a J.B. Holmes problem. Hell, Kevin Nah got a bad rap. Uh, and I guess to this point still does in some degree. It's not their issues. It's a systemic issue. If you follow us on social, you know that we talk a lot about either you attack the person or the process. And when you take a look at the process itself, is it just an isolated incident or is it a bigger systemic problem? This is a systemic problem. This is an example of an issue that is not being prevented when we have the ability to do so. Or at least enforce a rule that is written in the book. And because that's not happening, it's trickling down to other areas in the game. It is impacting all of us who play the game. That's a fact. We see it every day. So, you may be asking, what's your solution, Adam? Well, I understand this is not a one-size-fits-all solution. The benefit that we, or the good thing, that we've got going for us right now is that it's actually a rule. 40 seconds between shots. We have the foundation to start enforcing this thing. We just have to start doing it. The manner in which it's done at this point doesn't even really matter because nothing's being done right now. Yes, players get put on the clock. Yes, there are warnings. I believe there was a study done, I forget who, actually I believe it was friends, um, Eduardo Molinari, I believe, went out and said, hey, these are all the times that a player has been put on the clock and all the times that a penalty stroke has actually been done. And I believe it was something ridiculous, like maybe 5% of the time a penalty stroke was actually enforced. And there have been dozens of players that have been put on the clock. So, step one, as I keep saying because I feel it needs to be repeated, is to actually enforce it. Start handing out penalty shots. I mean, that's one thing that we could start right from the, right, right from the get-go. And yes, the situations or the scenarios or the analogies that Slugger White painted in his quote, yeah, that could happen. But why are we all of a sudden pretending like these players are... Complete, all of this is completely out of their control. Like, they're victims now. Play faster. Just play faster. Now, in the case of Bryson, where I talked about he had to walk off the yardage because he was in a weird spot on the hole, he didn't have, you know, probably anything written down or nor his caddy about the angle they needed to take, Give the players range finders. I mean, for crying out loud, does it really matter? I know that there's a rule where you can, in some competitions, certainly not on the PGA Tour, you can use them without slope, the slope feature or whatever. Who cares? If it's going to speed things up, and we would have to pilot this, of course, because I know that the counter-argument would be, well, if you give another piece of technology, they're going to triple-check and quadruple-check that yardage, that, that laser that they're firing. Yeah, that probably would happen. But in situations like the one that we just saw with Bryson, at least in that one shot, it's not going to help him on the putting green. That's a whole entirely different story. 
But if you need a yardage, just get the yardage. You still have to hit the shot. I have a rangefinder with slope myself. I am not. I'm not trying to say I'm a PGA Tour player by any means. Someone will call me out on that on Twitter. But, I mean, I still have to swing the club. And these guys are no different. They still have to hit the shot. So I think, really, the whole point of this, and in the back and forth that we're seeing between... Uh, whether it be media members or rules officials or players themselves, you know, oh, well, it's not just, look, think about all the other players that are slow. Well, that's just the worst response in the world. Are, I mean, are we kindergartners? Somebody gets called out for it, but they're going to go ahead and point fingers at everybody else that's doing it worse, quote unquote, than you? Just fess up to it. Good Lord. Accountability. There is an accountability problem in professional golf right now. And that goes hand in hand with blaming others, trying to deflect the attention away from you when you're the one that messed up. And look, I get it. I know how I sound. But this is, this is a, as a fan of the game, and if you're listening to this, I know you are too. This is this is so frustrating. I mean, this is something that, again, it is not only just on the pro side, it is trickling down to the amateur side, and it's impacting you and me. It's impacting those of us that want to go out to a golf course and play in a respectable amount of time, whatever that amount means to you. And I would bet that it's not five hours. In fact, I would bet it's probably under four. If you had to pick the amount of time that you want to spend on a golf course to play a round of golf, 18 holes, regardless of yardage, regardless of difficulty of the course, four hours is probably the sweet spot. And it wouldn't be so upsetting to me if players were actually getting called out on it. I've said that a few times. That's all that really has to happen. That's all that has to happen. And then you can begin to fine-tune the rule. You can begin to fine-tune the enforcement of the rule, but you have to start doing it first in order to understand what doesn't work. You can't just sit back and say, oh, well, we might ruin somebody's life. You don't think these players knew what they're getting into when they started playing the game? You don't think that they could get... Of all the ways that a player can get screwed over on a golf course... You don't think they know that this game is just a game of, of inches and bad breaks? Yeah, the counter-argument is, well, why are we adding on top of that? Why, why would we, the ever-present or omnipresent uh, the rules officials, why would we take that away from them? Because it's your job. It's your job. The final thing I'll say about this is, again, going back to the brands who are defending their players. Again, I understand why you do it. It's not going to stop. That's just the way that wor- life works, especially when it's a business and when marketing's involved. You have to do it. But brands have a responsibility here as well. They can help because they've got these players in their stable. They can help with this situation. They can, and I don't know how. I'm not saying I know how. I'm just saying that I'm aware or I can see where there's an opportunity where these brands can help out with this. 
and not to just turn a blind eye or a defiant eye and say, well, do the same thing. Well, look at all the other players. Well, my guy's getting a bad rap. That's not the right response. How come people don't understand this? At the end of the day, we're all supporting the game that we love. There are players and there are brands that help support that game as well. But we all can play it and we all should hold ourselves to a level of accountability that is at least respectable so that we can go out and enjoy it even more. And if we enjoy the game even more, we're going to buy more products, we're going to take a look at your brands even more, and hopefully buy more things. Do we not understand how all of this works together? I just, I simply don't understand it. Let me know what you guys think if you're listening to this. Reach out to us on social media at Golf Unfiltered. Send us an email, golfunfiltered at gmail.com, and we will continue this conversation. But it's just, it, again, it's just so frustrating to see all this chatter. And to the point where players are now standing in front of podiums and defending themselves and feel like they have to. I mean, I honestly believe enforcement, making it well-known, making it uniform, and making it consistent, regardless of how high-profile a player that person is, it can you, we have the ability to police ourselves and this is a sport that has always prided itself on being uh, on the enforcement of rules on yourself let's start doing it again call it out when it happens i know there are people who feel well the wrong thing to do is to shine a light on somebody who's doing it that's not true You have to call it out when it happens because that's the first step to understanding that a problem exists. You can't just sweep it under the rug. And somebody, if you know Slugger White, tell him he's got to have a better answer than that. It's his job. Anyway, I'm off my soapbox. Thank you for listening this week. We will be back again next week with another guest. We've got a few great guests lined up to talk about some new products that are coming out. And as always, if you like what we do here on the podcast, if you like discussions like this, if you like just these these brain dumps that I do every so often, and of course, if you like the interviews that we do with the brands that come onto the show, go out to iTunes, go out to your podcast provider, and leave us a rating. That really helps us out. It helps boost our availability to other uh, golfers, to other listeners who would be interested in this as well. Please share the podcast with your friends, with your foursome, with anyone who loves the game as much as we do and as much as you do, because you listen to this, obviously you love the game. And of course, if there are any brands that you would like us to feature on the show, we love talking to brands. We love learning a little bit more about the products that are coming out, the way that they can help your game, the way that they can uh, boost the game in general. Shoot us an email again. It's golfunfiltered at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back again next week. In the meantime, take care of yourselves and each other.